everybody. Welcome to Mass for Shut-Ins, <laughs> the continuing saga. Thank God there is an end. Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 1 says, To everything there is a season. We'll come through this season. He'll have dominion from sea to sea. Rivers will flow to this nation into the uttermost parts of the earth. We're walking by faith and not by sight here at New Covenant Ministries Church. Right now we're going to receive tithes and offerings, and we're reminded in Second uh, Corinthians 9 and verse 6 that he loves a that he uh, loves people that sow bountifully because they reap a big harvest and he loves a cheerful giver that will have all sufficiency, that will know no lack, that will be able to abound to every good work. Psalm 35, 27 says, let us shout for joy and be glad. We favor his righteous cause. We continually say, let the Lord be magnified. He takes pleasure in our prosperity and our tongues will speak of his righteousness and praise all the day long. Hallelujah. So we started out last time talking about how um, this is the answer to every situation that you'll ever face, that you can live victoriously even in troublesome times. And so we, we started preaching, teaching faith, and, uh, and the just shall live by faith. We looked at faith as a lifestyle. In Habakkuk 2, 4, it says the just shall live by faith. And Romans 1, 17, the just shall live by faith. Galatians 3, 11, the just shall live by faith. Hebrews 10, 38, the just shall live by faith. Romans 5, 1, the justified by faith. Come on, we've been justified by faith. We've got right standing with God our Father through our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we're, 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 the, we're the victorious ones. Romans 8, 14 says, when you're led by the Spirit of God, you're the Son of God. Verse 19 says that all creation is waiting right now for a manifestation of you, to manifestation of God's people on the earth, a manifestation of the sons of God. This is what the sin-sick world needs. It's time for the church to come out of the closet. It's time for the church to have its day. The best days of the church are upon us. Hallelujah. That's what we believe, and that's what we receive. Anyway, we looked. Um, I, I just want to read to you um, from the Cotton Patch. Bible. I tried to read it last time. Couldn't find the page. I got it now. But again, talking about, we've got this idea that if we could go back in time and be with Jesus on the shores of Galilee, it would be awesome. And it would be, but, but not like today, the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, it's expedient for you that I go away, that the Holy Ghost will come and he will teach you all the truth. He can show you things that, I, that you, you, you're not ready to receive yet. He can show you the deep things of God. The spirit searches all things. Yes, even the deep things of God. So he came to take us to a higher level. We get the idea if we could go back, we'd be all right. We get the idea if we go forward, we'd be all right. Oh, won't it be wonderful when he comes? No, this is the day that the Lord has made. We rejoice and be glad in this day, this day, this day, the church's finest hour, this day. So anyway, this is the conversation that Paul was having with the Roman church. He said, some of you are saying, if we could only go up and get him, if we, if we could only raise him from the dead. And here's what it says in the Cotton Patch, Clarence Jordan translation. Don't say to yourself, who will climb up to the sky? That is to bring down God's anointed one. And who shall descend to the afterlife? That is to bring back the God's anointed one for, from the realm of the departed. But what does it say? The word of God is already present with you. Come on. He's saying, he's saying, you don't need God. You don't need, you don't need anything right now, but to realize that when you believe in, when you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, 
It's unto salvation. Whatever you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth will be yours. Deuteronomy 30, 19, he said this. He said, he said, I've set before you this day life and blessing, death and cursing. Choose life that you and your seed may live. He's talking about how you can live victoriously in troubled times by the confession of your mouth. That was where we left off. Matter of fact, in, in the first um, thing that we looked at is, is faith is a lifestyle. The second thing that we looked at is faith is a school. And, and that's powerful too, because when you look at James 1, he, he says in verse 2, count it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into diverse temptations, tests, and trials, knowing that the trial of your faith works patience, verse 3. And when patience has its perfect work, you'll be complete, entire, and lacking in nothing. He's saying when you fight this good fight of faith, come on, Timothy six twelve. he said, fight the good fight of faith and lay hold of eternal life. When you fight this good fight and you lay hold of the eternal values, it's not, eternal life is not length of life. Eternal life is the Zoe, the God quality life. And you start living that now. You don't wait till you get to heaven to live that. You live that on earth right now. So then we looked at faith as a confession and we looked at, well, one key verse was Hebrews 10 verse 23. Uh, then we looked at Romans 4, 17, calling those things that be not as though they were. But here was something that I mentioned in the last episode and I need to bring it up again in case you missed it. There is a neurosurgeon, the number one neurosurgeon in Seoul, Korea, made a recent discovery. What he discovered is what the Bible says is true all the way along. The, the Bible says, you know, whosoever will say to this mountain, this circumstance, be thou removed, cast into the sea and not doubt in your heart, but believe the things you come, say will come to pass. You can have what you say. He realized that, that when he was operating on the brain, you touch a certain part of the brain and you get a body response somewhere in, the, in, the, in your body. But when you touch the area where speech comes from, it affects the whole central nervous system. And when he found that, he realized, hey, you know, we've, if we can change the way people think and change the way people speak, we can get a greater amount of healing happening in our surgeries. Because now think about that. This is, a, this is not a Christian doctor, uh, to my knowledge. This is a man that discovered that the word of God is true. So when you guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of the boundaries of your life, know this, that Proverbs 6.2 says that you can be snared by the words of your mouth. Proverbs 18, 20 and 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that eat, that, that love it will eat the, the fruit that it bears, whether it's good or bad. In other words, whatever you talk about is, whatever you talk about you, because you're created in the image and likeness of God, whatever you talk about, you give life to. Think about whatever you think about and talk about, you're giving life to. So if you don't want life to something, let it go. And just get a hold of God. And if you want God to really move powerfully in your life, just do what he says. And don't hold grudges. And don't, uh, uh, don't tear other people down to make yourself look better. D don't do any of those. Just, just humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he'll exalt you in due time by casting all of your cares upon him, knowing that he cares for you. Live a carefree life, not a careless, reckless life, but a carefree life knowing, that, hey, God's got my back. And I'm doing, and I'm doing, I'm walking out what he planned for me to walk out. I'm not trying to perfect myself to, so that I can, we're not working for, to salvation. We're working from salvation. It's a totally different thing. The good works that we do now, it's be, as a result of salvation. It's not trying to earn salvation. We already got it at Calvary. So we looked at that confession and now 
Let me see where we're going now. So faith is a confession. Now, the next thing is number four. We'll number this four. There's seven or eight, but number four would be faith is an action. And of course, when we read this, we're going to be reading from the book of James. And Martin Luther, when he learned that the just shall live by faith back in the 1500s, he read the book of James and said, this can't belong in the Bible. But, but it's only because he didn't understand it at the time because it sounds like works. But what, what, what really James was saying here is I'm going to show you from my works my salvation, not, as, not to get my salvation. But anyway, let's read a little bit here. Um, chapter 2. Uh, yeah, okay. Verse 17. Even so, faith that has not corresponding action is dead being alone. Well, what does that mean? What that means, we won't get into the whole chapter. Let's just look at that one verse. And here's what I have found. I've had sickness in my body when I could have just laid in bed and wanted to. But my action was by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed and made whole and to get out of bed and do whatever I could do just to be alive. You know, if you ever had sickness on your body, I remember one time I had vertigo, I got vertigo and, and I, whenever I would open my eyes, the whole world would just spin. And so I made it a goal to walk to the end of my driveway without falling in the ditch. And I want you to know I staggered down that driveway, looked like a drunk reeling around. But I had to do something. To, I had to do something to correspond with my believing. And so I learned that like, okay, body, you're healed. <laughs> body, you're healed. Now line up with the word of almighty God. Body, you are healed. Jesus paid the stripes, paid by his stripes for your healing. Now, and so I don't care if you can move your baby finger, do something to correspond with your faith, right? This is what we're talking about here. And so when you follow his instructions, he, this is it. When you follow his instructions, he will fulfill his promises. So when he's telling me to act like, you know, again, Roman, we look back in, in, in the confession part, Romans 4.17, calling those things that be not as though they were. See, this ties right in with that. But now, now I'm not just speaking it out of my mouth. But here's the thing. If your faith doesn't move your mouth, it'll never move your mountain. If your faith can't move your mouth, forget about moving your mountain. You need to talk to it. Remember when David ran after Goliath? He was talking to him the whole way across that field. And the Bible says he ran toward him. Whoop, whoop, whoop. And he said, today I'm going to take your head from off your shoulders. He was talking to the circumstance that was much bigger than he was. And that example is in there to let you know that this worked for a 17-year-old kid. The kid didn't have the power over that giant. But he saw his God is bigger than Goliath. He didn't see the problem. He saw an opportunity. Matter of fact, when you read the story, he said, what's the prize for the one that takes this guy out? He was looking. He said he didn't have any opportunities in life. He was a shepherd looking after the sheep. He was the, the youngest and perhaps we don't know, but he was the eighth son and it could have been a bastard son because he wasn't even introduced to Samuel in the, in, with the initial seven. So he didn't have a lot of opportunities in life. When his opportunity came, he took it. 
it's kind of like in Mark 5, 25, the woman with the issue of blood. I mean, she had been sick for 12 years. Come on, 12 years, people, and spent all of her. She, she was obviously wealthy when she started out. But the Bible says that she spent all of her money on physicians and didn't get better, but she got worse. But then she heard she heard about Jesus and she started to say, and she continued to say, she said this matter of fact, when you read it in the Greek, this was repetition to her. If I can just but touch the hem of his garment, if I can just get a hold of those, the, the, the bottom of his prayer shawl, I'll be healed. Because I read Malachi chapter four, and it said there'd be healing in his beams, healing in his beams. And I recognize that this guy is the Messiah, and I've just got to touch him to be healed. And so she said, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. And then, of course, you know the rest of that story. She punched her way through a huge crowd of people, a sick, frail woman crawling through a multitude of people on her hands and knees, because that's where the bottom of the prayer shawl is, on her hands and knees, maybe getting stepped on. <laughs> frail woman, 12 years of sickness, bleeding. Come on, it was an issue of blood. Can you imagine what she looked like? And she pushed through that crowd and she touched the hem of his garment. And Jesus stopped in the middle of that crowd with everybody jostling him against him and said, who has touched me? And the disciples marveled and said, what are you talking about? Everybody's touching you. He said, no, no, somebody got me with their faith. <laughs> and, when, and, when, and when he turned to her, she came in fear and trembling, reverence, anticipation, in awe of God. Whole other story we won't get into right now. But, when, but, but Jesus looked at her and said, well, it's because you touched my prayer shawl, daughter. Well, it's because I'm the son. No, he said, daughter, and this will work. If this will woman work for a woman that has been sick for 12 years, don't tell me that it won't work for you. He said, daughter, your faith, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. Wow. What a story. There's stories like that all through the Bible, but people are desperate. And people are not complacent. The people that are operating by faith are, 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 are desperate people. We're a desperate people. We want to see a move of the man and a manifestation of the Spirit of God on our planet. We want to see our nation not gone off to hell and not gone into the new world order. We want to see our, our nation, as, as God called it, let them have dominion from sea to sea and rivers flow out into the uttermost parts of the earth. They spoke that at the Charlottetown Accord before this nation was founded. Psalm 72 and verse 8 was the verse that they chose, and it's and it's on the it's etched on the parliament buildings in Ottawa. He shall have dominion from sea to sea. Don't give up on that. Don't give up on that in spite of what it might look like today. Faith people don't look at the circumstance. Faith people look in the word of God. So, so, uh, so what you do moves God. What you do moves God more than what you say, because lots of times, again, like I said in the last episode, we in church we'll 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 applaud Mark eleven twenty three, whosoever will say to this mountain, notice it says whosoever that means it works for everybody, whosoever will say to this mountain, be thou removed, get out of my way and cast into the sea, I don't do it in my heart, I'm, my heart and my mind are united together in this. I believe the things that I say will come to pass. And then it says that I'll have what it says. I'll have whatever I say. It says a whosoever can have a whatsoever. And if Jesus had added in church to that verse, we'd have all been quite successful because we can all talk it really well in church. 
But in churches, when, not where it's needed. It's out there on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday when you're in trouble and, and circumstances seem to be overwhelming you. You don't, you don't speak according to your circumstances. You speak according to the word of God. That's what I've heard through all this pandemic. I've seen preachers preaching fear, you know, talking to circumstance and, spread, and spreading fear. Yeah, there's, there's cautions that need to be taken. We're not making light of any of that. But we don't, we, we're preaching, we're preaching, we lay hands on the sick and they recover. We're not, you know, we are spreading something, but it's the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, we're not trying to break the laws of the land or be lawless people. Uh, by, by any means, but we could have easily had church here today. We can keep six feet apart. I mean, to close the church and keep a liquor store open, to close the church and keep a, a, an abortion clinic open, those are the issues that we have. And, uh, but again, we're not, we're, not, we're, not, we're not fighting over that. We're fighting the good fight of faith and laying hold of eternal life. So, so anyway, let's go to Samuel chapter 1. And I'll try not to get bogged down in this story, but it's an awesome story. I mean, but what I mean by bogged down is I don't want to get into the depth and the detail of it that we've taught it in the past. But I want to look at a, I want to look at a man that had two wives. And uh, one's name was Hannah, means grace and favor. Another one was Penana. And verse 3, it says, And this man went up yearly to worship and sacrifice at Shiloh. The Ark of the Covenant rested in Shiloh for 450 years, so that's where they went. And uh, Hopni and Phineas, Hopni rather and Phineas, Eli's sons, were the priests at the time. And when the time was for uh, Elakana to be offered, he gave Penea, his wife, and to all their sons and daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord, but the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary, the other wife, provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. You know, you can be sure you'll find people that will pick on you. But don't, don't allow what pe people do to you get in you. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it full of the issues of life. Che re refuse offense. Refuse to let anybody tear you down. Have your confidence in him alone. Amen. So it says that he provoked her sore because her womb was shut. And this happened every year. Year after year, she went up to the house of the Lord and she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. Her husband said to Hannah, why do you weep? And, and, and why do you care so much? Why is your heart grieved? Aren't, this is what he said. Aren't I better to you than 10 sons? <laughs> this guy's funny because he's saying, aren't I something? <laughs> what do you need kids for when you got me? <laughs> he didn't have an identity crisis at all. <laughs> but it says, so Hannah rose up after he had said this. <laughs> now Eli, the priest, was uh, sat by the post of the temple of the Lord. She was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. She vowed a vow and said, Lord of hosts, Lord of armies, if you'll indeed look upon the affliction of your maid and remember me and not forget your handmaid, but will give your handmaid a man child, I'll give him right back to you. Ooh, all the days of his life, there shall not be a razor upon his head. In other words, I'll make him into a Nazarite. This is powerful, you know. You know it, it, and this is what made Abraham so special. He, he was willing to give back whatever God gave to him. God said, I'll give you anything if, if, if you'll give it back. 
If I can trust you to give it back, I'll give you anything that you want. Come on. And so, and so, uh, verse uh, 12, and it came to pass that she continued praying that the Lord, uh, to the Lord, Eli saw her mouth moving. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought that she was drunk. But again, God's looking at her heart. And so her voice isn't even, the action that this woman has here is more important. See, her pain turned her toward God. And this is key. Her pain didn't make her bitter. Her pain made her better. Her pain turned her toward God and forced her to listen. Her season, she didn't know it at the time, but her season was changing. She was in all this pain, but the season was changing. Her breakdown was her breakthrough. Listen, the place that, again, I, I can't overstate that. Your breakdown and your breakthrough are the same place. Always works out to be the same place. Just when you can't think you can't take another day, boom, you get through. Believe God and be established. Believe his prophets and so shall you prosper. And, and so Eli said unto her, how is it you're drunk? Put away your wine. Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have not drunk, neither had strong drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not your handmaid to be a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint have I spoken unto the Lord. Then, the, then this backslidden priest, this backslidden, read, read the rest of the story sometime. This Eli was a totally backslidden priest, but Eli uh, answered and said, go in peace and God will grant your petition that you have asked of him. Look, but look, at here's what faith looks like. Real faith looks just like this. She said, let it be uh, that your handmaid is find grace in your sight. So the woman went her way and did eat in her continence. All she had, she didn't have a, a, a move in her stomach. All she had was a word from a backslidden priest and she was no longer sad. Come on, think about it. This is what faith does. This is what faith does. I, and, you know, my confession is I've had prophets prophesy over me before. And, and I'd say, well, well, we'll just see if that happens. <laughs> no, no, bad attitude, right? Bad attitude. Instead of just saying, okay, Lord, this is you, I receive it. And, 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 then, and, then, and then believing it and acting it out. So, so again, faith is an action. And so she got up and she was no longer sad. You couldn't look on her face. C come on. Come on. You've met people. How you doing? Well, I just believe in God. Just trying to get through another day. No, there's not an ounce of faith in that at all. How do you know? Because Paul, the apostle sitting in a Roman jail writes Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Read his letter to the Philippians real slow and see what a happy letter that is. And remember, the guy's writing it from a jail cell. And then, and then check your attitude. Amen. Okay. So number five, faith is a choice. And with that, I'm going to Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter. I mean, we could go to Deuteronomy 30 and 19. Life and death are in the power that, no, uh, I've set before you this day, life and blessing, death and cursing, choose life that you and your seed may live. He's saying, he's saying, I, I'm giving you a choice, life and death, and it's in the blessing 
or the cursing, what are you saying out your mouth? He said, choose the, choose the life one. See, if it doesn't promote life, don't say it. If it's not going to be a blessing to somebody, don't say it. And don't get caught up in a conversation where you're tearing somebody else down. Come on, don't, don't allow people to use your ear as a garbage can. When people come to me and want to talk to me about somebody in the church, I tell them right up, it better be good because I'm not hearing a bad report. I'm not hearing no bad reports, you know, and don't bring me a problem. Bring me a solution. You know, don't, don't, don't rehearse the curse over somebody's life. No, no. Tell me what you think we ought to do to fix it. Because a, a problem without a solution is just complaining. And lots of people complain and stop complaining. Start rejoicing and stop complaining. Amen. Amen. Hebrews 11. Verse, well, we can just pretty much read it anywhere, but. <laughs> oh, I hope we don't get. Oh, yeah, well, praise the Lord. Just go for it. Okay. Verse 3 says, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by a word from God. God used faith to produce what you can see. But I want to look at verse um, 25. Well, let's read verse 24. It says, By faith when Moses was come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Verse 25, choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God that rather than to joy, enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Now, when you think about Moses, because we've talked about him uh, uh, extensively over the past year or so. But here's a guy. He's born into leadership in, in, in Egypt, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He's, he's got, uh, matter of fact, he's got military uh, acclimates and he's got, you know, they talk about what an eloquent orator he was back in the day and all that. He had all that going for him. And then when he was a full 40 years old, he got a witness on the inside of himself that God had called him to deliver the, the, the Hebrew people from the slavery in Egypt. The problem was, uh, first day he goes out, he killed an Egyptian. And obviously you look at that and you're thinking, wow, if he's going to do this out of his flesh, it's going to take him a long time killing one Egyptian at a time. But there's more to that story. It says that he, he buried him in the sand and hid him. Then the next day he went out again, thinking that his brethren would recognize that he was their deliverer. And they, uh, they pointed out the fact that they saw the murder. And that fear gripped him. And he ran for 40 years. It reminds me of Elijah after he, he killed all 400 prophets of Baal and then Jezebel said one word to him and he ran for 40 days. Like there's something about fear that, you know, Job 3.25, Job said, what I've always feared has finally come upon me. He said, I was not in safety. I was not in peace. What I feared came upon me. Well, it would have been a much better story if we, if we had read everything that I believed God for happened. You know, that's the way that it's, and then we wouldn't have had that 42 chapters in the book of Job. Moses went through 40 years in the wilderness until he got his fire back. Uh, but, but again, I, I'm not sure that he had to run away and do that. I think that when f fear, fear is energy and motion, just like faith is. But my Bible tells me, my Bible says, 
in Timothy 1, verse 7, 2 Timothy 1, verse 7, that God has not given us a spirit of fear. He identifies fear as a spirit. Fear is Satan's personality. Just like faith, God is the, he's a God of faith, a God of love. And so without faith, it's impossible to please him. Without fear, you can't operate with the devil either. <laughs> he can't do anything to you if you're not afraid. Hallelujah, he can't do a thing to you. So, but, so anyway, this woman, she was no longer sad. She got up and she walked away from that whole circumstance. And so she, she chose faith. And so here Moses, Moses chose the faith to serve God in the middle of He Picture him this way. He's, in North America, it would be, uh, you know, Rome would be Washington, D.C., and so he's the second guy in command in Washington, D.C. And he, and he leaves there uh, to serve his own people. That was a choice that he made, powerful choice. And then, of course, uh, number six is faith sees the invisible. And uh, you, you just turn back to Hebrews 11 to verse 1. Now faith is, I like that too, now faith is. I'm so glad it's not faith was. Faith still works today. Now, faith is or gives substance to the things that are hoped for, and it's evidence of things not yet seen. Faith sees the invisible and does the impossible. Faith sees what can't be seen in the natural realm. Faith sees Ephesians 1, 3, all of the blessings in the, in the heavenlies in Christ. Faith sees Peter 1, 4, the the, the precious promises that partake of and partake of his divine nature. Faith sees, this is what Paul prayed when he prayed in Ephesians chapter one. He said, Lord, uh, grant unto them a spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge. Revelation is the word apocalypsis. It means to split the veil between the unseen and the seen realm. He said, let, let, them, let, let them see, let the eyes of their understanding be enlightened. They obviously had eyes in their head. But they needed to see with other eyes. It reminds me of the story in Second Kings chapter six, when Elisha was there and Gehazi, the prophet, Elijah was in the house, and an entire Syrian army came up to kill Elisha. They surrounded him and they came by night. I guess they figured they couldn't sneak up. Anyway, can you imagine an army sneaking up trying to get one, one man? They feared that one man because he was a man of God. Gehazi walks out in the morning and he sees the mountains surrounded with chariots. And he said, I think in the King James it says, alas, like, like we would say it a different way today. But anyway, he, he looked and he freaked out. And uh, Elisha came out and he said, he said, Lord, open up his eyes that he can see. He had two eyes in his head. What he was saying was the same thing Paul was saying in Ephesians chapter one, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you would know what is the hope of his calling, that you would know what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, that you would know the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought upon Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenlies, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that's named, not only in this world, but that which is to come and placed all things under his feet, made him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body and the fullness of him fills us all in all. 
When your understanding eyes are opened, you see what other people can't see. You go where other people can't go. You receive things that other people can't receive. You be a giant killer. Hallelujah. Come on. So, <laughs> um, I need to, with this, I need to go to Galatians 5, 6. I for sure do, do that. Because I have to have my faith, my faith, my trust is in God. I trust him more today than I ever did before, but it had to grow. I had to grow into this. It's like you can't give the keys to your car to your seven, eight-year-old child. They have to mature into those things. So sometimes a lot of the things that we're praying for and asking God for, he's already granted them to us, but we have to grow to it. It's like he's not preparing a blessing for me. He's preparing me for a blessing. This is what my faith is doing. And I can use faith to get a new thing or something, some object. But really, my faith is not in things. My faith is in him, my redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Hallelujah. He said, I'd go through the waters and they wouldn't overflow me. I'd walk through the fire and not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon me. I can walk through a, a, a place where there's a, a virus going around and striking people, but no plague will come near my dwelling. Hallelujah. I'm not tempting the Lord my God. I'm just trusting in his word. That's all. That's it. Hallelujah. Surely he shall deliver me from the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. A thousand may fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand, but it will not come near me. Hallelujah. But Galatians chapter five, you got to get this verse into your heart. You got to get this verse into your heart. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Verse 6, for in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which works or gets its energy from being loved. Faith, you know, I understand faith works because you love people. No, that, that's, that's true too, but this, this is not what this word means. This means your faith won't work if you don't trust God loves you. How can I trust somebody that I don't know? But when I get to know him through his word, I trust him, I trust his word, and my faith works because of 1 John 4. Let's go to First John 4. These verses ought to be your favorites, First John 4. You ought to be living there until you know the love of God shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. Uh, verse uh, 16. And we have known, here, look at this, we have known and believed two things, the love that God has for us. The love that God has for us. We have known and believed. We've known and believed the love that God has for us. For God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Verse 17. Herein is the love of God made mature that we'd have boldness in any day of judgment or any day of temptation, test or trial. Because as he is, not as he was, not as he's going to be, but as he is, so are we in this world. Look at this, verse 20, or verse 18. There is no fear in love. There is no fear. Say this with me. There is no fear in me because I'm walking in his love. There is no fear in love because perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. There's so many people in my city right now being tormented by fear. 
And again, I'm not knocking caution. I'm saying tormented by fear, afraid, afraid, just so afraid of dying. And when you spend your time afraid of dying, you're not ever living. I've met so many people over my lifetime that, that are so afraid of dying that they've never really lived. I'm, I'm not afraid of dying. I'm afraid of missing my life through fear. Now, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Fear has torment. He that fears is not made mature in love. Come on. And, and we love him. Why? Because he first loves us. Hallelujah. So there's other verses we could look at, but for the sake of time, I think I'll just go to point number seven. But again, all this is one word. All this word is one, one word. We don't need to call him down or call him up. The word of God is near us, even in our mouth, the word of faith with which we preach. He, he, when, come on, Hebrews 1.13, Hebrews 10.13, both say the same thing, that he sat down at the right hand of God, expecting his enemies to be made his footstool. Come on. He's not, he's not in heaven fretting over what's going on in the earth. He's not fretting about the political situation at all. Read Psalm chapter 2. The Bible says, Why doth the nations rage and imagine a vain thing? And it goes on to talk about what, he's, what they say. But then it, it interjects this. That God sits in the heavens and laughs because he has them in derision. He's not concerned about what the ant's doing on the anthill. Okay? All right. Number seven, faith is a discipline. Now, there's a bunch of verses we could look at. But again, I think we already quoted Timothy 6.12. To fight the good fight of faith and lay hold of eternal life. There's a fight involved in it, but it's a faith fight. It's not a fight against flesh and blood. It's a faith fight. You're, what, what's your faith fighting against? The circumstances, the things that we see that don't line up with the word of Almighty God. Any rebellion that you see is, is against the purposes of God. That's what a rebellion is. It's to fight the purpose, the plan that God has. God does things decently and in order. When you th see things out of order, you'll find rebellion is the root of it. And my Bible says, uh, Paul said, or God said through Samuel, that rebellion is the same as witchcraft. So you don't want to be rebel. Don't want to be a rebel? No. Okay, so we don't, we don't need to go there, though. We, we need to. But I know this, that when I follow his rules... I'm winning. I'm developing. It's well, I wonder, I want to go to Timothy. I was just looking here on my iPad. It says, go to Timothy chapter two, I think. And I know it's talking about fighting. I just wonder if I have something in here. Let me try it. You're not going anywhere anyway. You're stuck at home. So just give me a minute while I look through here. Yeah, so we understand fighting um, requires skill. Uh, developing faith requires skill. You, you know, you exercise on bigger things each time, and you keep growing into the things of the Spirit. You're being changed from glory to glory in the image of His Son. But in Timothy chapter 2, there's a Timothy chapter 1. Let me find it here. This Bible is uh, not causing me any trouble today. I'm just... Uh, Doing my best to preach without an audience. Okay, give me a break. <laughs> Hallelujah. I know you're hearing me in the home. Yeah, okay. Timothy chapter 2. And I'll read it out of the cotton patch first. 
A good soldier of Christ Jesus takes his share of suffering. A man on active duty in the army gives up his private life and business in order to be free to carry out orders of his commander. Also, if one enters into a contest, he's not given the prize until he competes, completes for all the rules. And that's, that's the thing, you know, winning in order to win at anything rules and goals have to be followed. Like if you were to watch a football game and they had no lines, no goalposts, what would be the point? So there's goals in mind. Matter of fact, you know, uh, Paul said in Philippians chapter three, I'm pressing toward the next marker point, the high calling of God in Christ. So there's, there's, there's things that there's skills that need to be developed. And so that's what we're doing when we believe God, we're developing, we're developing our skill to learn how to use the weapons of our warfare that are not carnal, but they're mighty through God, pulling down strongholds, casting down those imaginations and those high thoughts that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God, bringing our thought life into captivity to obey his word and being ready to, to avenge all disobedience when our obedience is fulfilled. That's what we're doing here. That's what we're doing. Our purpose is... In 2020, the decade of destiny, it's still the decade of destiny. Nobody anticipated, although some prophets are telling you now that they knew it before. I like prophets when they tell us it before it happens myself. But, but um, <laughs> not picking on anybody, I'm not judging anybody either. Some of these guys may very well have seen from the Lord. I believe my Bible says that God's not going to do anything unless he speaks to his prophets. Well, he, he spoke to us and we're not prophets, we're pastors, but he said that this is a decade of destiny and this is a, this is a decade of Exodus 2020 that you'll have 2020 vision that you won't be afraid of God, but you'll, you'll hold him in reverence, that you'll believe the prophet and prosper and that you'll believe God and be established. And John 2020 is also in there that when you get born again and spirit filled, that you have that the eyes of your understanding have been enlightened and now you just need to walk in the light and not come on, walk in the light that he's given you. Just walk in the light that he's given you and, and as much as you can be, be at peace with everybody. Not everybody sees things the way that you do. Not everybody thinks the way that you think. But, you know, we are, we, we are complete when we're all together, when we're assembled together. There's, you know, I, I watch sometimes, like I remember reading this about Jesse Duplantis, he when his wife got filled with the Holy Ghost, she kept hearing this scream and she finally realized it was her. And I thought sometimes women are like that. And men are thinking, what is she doing? I mean, I was reading about Dwight Thompson. He's a, an evangelist in the States. And he, he was getting into this word. And his wife, he, he wouldn't believe this confession, speaking the word of God out your mouth the way you're supposed to. And so she brought his morning coffee every morning. And one morning she put scriptures in his coffee, wrote it, you know, had the paper typed out and put, and put it in his coffee. And so he's drinking his coffee and he's spitting over something. And, and, and when he takes the little piece of paper out, it says the word of God is near you, even in your mouth. See, so again, but the answer, the answer to every problem you're facing is not if I can get there, or if I can get there, it's in your mouth. Your, your deliverance is in your mouth. Come on, you can be free in every area. My Bible says that if you'll continue in the word, you'll be his disciples indeed. You'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. God bless you. Be free this week. Amen. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. 
For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.